Welcome to Pair at the Point, the Pittsburgh Penguins podcast of the Faceoff Hockey Network. Follow us on Twitter at Pair at the Point and at the FHN. Visit thefhn.net for daily hockey articles and casts. We are going to dig into Chris Letang. Um, but first, we have a couple of pieces of news that just came out about some PTO signings. Breaking news. Uh, <laughs> yes. So we did sign uh, two players to professional tryouts, PTOs, which basically means they can come to camp. And most often, uh, the players don't end up making it because uh, if they were that valued, they'd have already earned a spot somewhere. You know, you never know. Uh, Brian Boyle is the one. He is 36 years old. He is six foot six, formerly of New Jersey Devils fame and success. He's had a rough couple of years. Didn't play in the NHL during this past season. Uh, did play for the World Championship team uh, and took over the C there uh, from Justin Applicator, who I actually thought looked far better. Uh, but Boyle didn't really play any league games. So he did play and, and look decent at, at a world championship level, but his wheels are pretty shot. I think he's going to be brought in to try to up the physicality in camp. Uh, Matt Bartkowski, he's a local guy, six foot one, three three. He played only one game in the NHL last year and none the previous year. He played the bulk of both seasons with the Iowa Wild. A few years back, he played with the Nucks. He's a physical player, but you know, he hasn't really ever pound out at the NHL level, and I don't expect him to do so here. However, um, you know, a defenseman could be could be half decent uh, as a eighth, ninth option, but I, I can't see him breaking into the top six or even close to it. All right, so I don't think there's been any other signings or anything since the last episode. I think there was one for Wilkes-Barre a couple days ago, but... Nothing, nothing to really know. We signed a goalie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. You're right about that. Um, but isn't that, don't you think, for Wilkes-Barre probably? Yeah, that'll be, if, if there's a taxi squad, um, first call up, he might come into play. It's Louis, uh, Louis Domingue. Uh, I believe he played with Calgary last year, uh, but he had a bunch of seasons with the Coyotes uh, as second, third string there. So, um, actually capable sort of player, but I, I haven't really looked at his stats from last year. I, I can't imagine he got much action at all. Uh, probably riding Taxi Squad, and he's likely to do the same thing here, give them su- support at Wilkes-Barre um, at the starting position. They're definitely going to need it. So, yeah, should roll with the rotation yeah, down there. I actually just checked he played one game last year. Yeah, yeah. So, um, not, and it was for Calgary, not, not really much going on. The year before that, he played one game as well. So, hasn't played in a while, so mm, might be interesting, but either way, we needed a body, yeah. especially for, for Wilkes, so. You know, he I, may have played more in the AHL. That was the NHL. Uh, yeah, last year he played three games, a uh, year before that, seven, so still not. Is that with the Heat, Abbotsford Heat? Yeah, yeah, he stocked in Heat. Stocked in Heat. Yeah, oh, last wow. year. They, they keep changing. Three, three games, so <laughs> hasn't, hasn't really played much, and, well, I guess we'll see what happens with that. All right, so on to today's topic of Chris Letang. The reason we wanted to cover this is because I, I think he's one of the most controversial players on the Penguins. We absolutely love him. You have other people who hate him, call for his head every single year. 
constantly want to trade him. And and so it's just definitely an interesting topic kind of to discuss who he was, who he is now, and who we kind of see him becoming for the team in the future. He's also in a contract year, so we're hopefully going to extend him, uh, maybe for a little bit of less money. Uh, he did have an interview with the Post-Gazette yesterday that, that came out. So he did say he's having nothing to do with the discussions. It's all Hextall and his agent, and he has nothing to do with it, no control of it. So we we don't really, we didn't get really any insight. He said he could do it, could sign during the summer, could sign during camp, could sign during the year. We have no idea. So that that is going on. And like I said, hopefully he um, takes a little bit of a pay cut but who knows? He did also mention that, you know, people go to other teams for cups and for money, but he would really love to stay in Pittsburgh. He mentioned that, of course, it's not up to him, but um, his goal is to stay in Pittsburgh with, he called them his brothers, uh, Crosby and Malkin. So he, he doesn't even necessarily want to play for Pittsburgh to play for Pittsburgh. He wants to play here to stay with with Crosby and Malkin. So that's just kind of what, you know, we're, we're, what we're going into the season with. Uh, we may, we may have him signed, resigned. We may not, but. You know, he, there was a comment in there about it being 15 years and, you know, in the grand scheme of an organization, that doesn't seem like a ton. You know, I've been around since 67, but for players whose entire career, uh, their entire careers can scan, 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 uh, you know, 15 to 20 years and that's it. It's just a rare thing. You even see with Chicago, you know, they won three cups and Duncan Keith's gone. You know, Jonathan Taves, it looks like he'll be there, but who knows? Uh, it, it's just unorthodox to, to really have a dynasty and have those players start and finish their careers out together. So I imagine that's definitely special and he's going to take a pay cut. If I'm the Penguins management, honestly, you have really no incentive other than for, I don't know, mental stability, for the team's well-being uh, in the locker room to extend him early. I think you wait until the half halfway mark of the season and see how he does because you might get him a heck of a lot cheaper than you think right now uh, because he's he trended downward last year. He really did. And he, um, not all of it was his fault, but if you're going to get into a contract negotiation with an agent, that certainly comes into play. Uh, that he has been in a downward regression. He's on you know, the wrong side of 34 now. So, you know, I can see that contract discussion dragging on. I think Malkins will drag on even longer. Um, I think they both get done, but it, it's, it should be interesting to see how they both rebound from what were down years for, for the two of them. So let's talk a little bit about Chris Letang as a player. And, you know, why he's had so many successes for the Penguins. I, I think it's interesting. And the reason is because he isn't really one of those players that around the league you think of, you know, one of the best defensemen. He kind of always seems to float under the radar. And I mean, like, yeah, he's been to uh, the All-Star Games. And, you know, his name always gets mentioned. But... Not like other big name franchise defensemen. So let's just talk a little bit about, you know, what his play style is and why he's been successful, but also why he's, you know, not as 
regarded as other defensemen across the league. Well, I think I think a lot of it really does come down to his play style, uh, and also the fact that he plays that style without putting up a ton of points himself. He drives offense without necessarily getting on the score sheet, and that's a rare thing. Well, and I think he's sometimes that fourth assist, yeah, which you know is needed. It's necessary. It's the the way we set up plays and score goals. But you know, he doesn't always get the recognition. And I also think it goes back to, to trophies. And I think you could make a great case for 2012-13 or 2014-15. He should have been in the conversation. However, those were the years that Eric Carlson was a god amongst men offensively and put up just insane numbers. Uh, so in both years, his analytics were just ridiculous. And, and side note on this, this kind of goes into this the discussion as should there be two defensive awards? So, one for a more offensive defenseman and one for, you know, more of a defensive defenseman. And I, I think, I mean, I don't really know or, or have a, an opinion on this, but I've kind of heard some rumblings of it. And I think this is a main point that, that kind of makes sense because, like, Eric Carlson's, Eric Carlson's scoring a million points isn't, you know what I mean, that's automatically going to be a Norris winner. Well, and should it be? Well, in those two years, um, so I'm looking at, like, uh, defensive uh, goals above replacement, you know, like in, in the 11-12 season, for instance, Chris Letang was on the ice for 18.3 more goals above replacement than than a replacement player. And he was only out there for uh, 0.7 less um, defensively. So he was a monster. So that's a net of 18 goals for your team when he's on the ice. Uh, compared to a replacement player in those same very tough minutes, top pairing minutes. So that I have to emphasize that. So he was phenomenal in that 12-13 season over a very short season. He was he had a positive defensive impact and he had a 12 goals above replacement that season. So just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he's off the charts in those years. And then in 14-15, uh, put up really good defensive uh, metrics as well. So, I mean, he should have been in the conversation in those years, and he just really never broke into the top three. Well, I feel like every year, you know, he has a couple of months where we're like, oh, this might be the year where he gets noticed, and then he gets injured or he he falls off. I'm thinking of, um, I guess that would have been 2019. It was pre-pandemic. It was the year that we had the outdoor game mm-hmm. in, in Philadelphia, and he was looking absolutely... No, no, leading up to that game, no, he no. was looking phenomenal. I just want to mention the stadium series was a horrible well, experience. I'm getting to that. <laughs> so he was looking he was looking phenomenal leading up to that, and we were thinking, okay, he's putting up Norris Trophy numbers, and then he gets injured. And he was out, I think, until either the playoffs or really close to the playoffs because, you know, that game was horrible and it was raining and uh, the ice was not good and, you know, it's the Flyers and they're always out to hurt you. So, you know... That's my point. I, I think he's had a couple of months where he's looked like a Norris Trophy candidate and then something always seems to derail him. Well, and he's had so many injury issues. It's easy to forget that Nashville season, the 2017 Cup, winning without him was a minor miracle in my opinion. And I agree. I, I, I did not pick them to win. I didn't even think they were getting out of the first round without him. And... Honestly, if you go back to the metrics from from that offseason. Like, we need to remember that Ron Hainsey was his replacement. 
Ron Hainsey was on the first line. First pairing, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, first pairing. Like, that is insanity that we even... And Ole Mata, people, people like to rag on him, and, I, you know, his career has definitely taken a turn. However, his metrics in that entire run were some of the worst and, from a winning team yeah. ever. I mean, without Justin Schultz turning into a superhuman. And the offense just outproducing. But... Yeah, I mean, nobody, I don't think, expected us to go as far as we... I think when Latang went down for the season, everyone was like, okay, there goes our repeat. Yeah. And I, they willed it, and it worked, but yeah, but I mean... People forget how serious that injury was for him, right? right? You know, he had minor strokes. His neck was all sorts yeah. of jacked up. You know, there was no guarantee and, that he was going to be back to playing hockey at a high level. He had, like, a lot of migraine mm-hmm. issues, and I mean, I think that part of his... Injury history is pretty well taken care of now. I think that surgery kind of did did it all for him. Now he's had a couple other weird things, but he's always come back for them. But I think in Philly, when he got injured, it was his leg or his foot or something. Yeah, I mean... It was lower body. Yeah, I mean, Simmons definitely uh, got him late, uh, but uh, didn't get him in the head. So thankful for that. Uh, it's just been a, it's been a weird road for him, and I admire him for you know fighting through all of that. I mean, he came back in seventeen eighteen, and he put up some really good metrics. He put up forty two assists coming off of all that uh, fifty one point season, which is is pretty crazy. I mean, he's had a bunch of fifty point seasons. The last couple, he's flirted with it, even though um, they're both shortened. So you know you can count on him for fifty some points, and yeah, you're probably not going to get more than a dozen goals out of him uh, from here on in. But that's not what we're looking at him for. So I think his his most, I guess what I want to say, his best quality for us moving forward is his ability to skate. He, yes. That has not gone downhill at all. You know, he is a physical monster. He takes care of himself. I mean, if you, if you follow him on Instagram, uh, sometimes in the summer he'll post, like, his gym videos. And he's just insane. Like, I don't, you don't see too many other guys working out as hard as him. Not at that age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're forgetting, like, he's 34 years old, and he's still working out like he's 20 years old. And he also did mention that in, in his Post-Gazette interview, that, you know, he is going to continue for as long as he is in the National Hockey League to train like he did when he was 25 years old. So, because he wants to win more cups, and that is his number one driver. Uh, and I, I think that he's... He he also did well with with injuries to other players. I mean, Dumoulin's been his his partner on his pairing uh, pretty much consistently for the last I don't know seven years, something like that. So he he has done uh, he did very well in the beginning part of that season. I think adapting to that challenge. And yes, he struggled at times, but man, by the end of the season, was he motoring? I mean, he was just pinpoint passing cross ice in a way that really only Chris Letang can find. And yes, yeah, some of those plays are exceptionally risky. I always call him the most risk embracing defenseman I've ever seen. Uh, at least in my, my uh, prime, you know, obviously there's like Paul Coffey and some of those guys back in the eighties and early nineties that were, you know, just insane, wanted to be forwards the entire time. But in this era outside of, I don't know, Mike Green, maybe with the Capitals, uh, and Eric Carlson, you know, he's definitely one of those players that has embraced risk. With that said, as he's gotten older, he's gotten smarter, I think. Yeah, and that's that's one thing. I mean, you can look at you can look at the the advanced stats and say like he kind of has, 
you know, gone down. But I really do think that the reason that Chris Letang is still successful and is, you know, a very added bonus to our team is because he's kind of aging smartly. He, I think that he's getting smarter as he gets older and he's not, I don't know, he's still risky, but they're more calculated. Yeah, and there's decisions, and the the ones that I always look at are, are two things. One, where he decides to make a pinch in the offensive zone where it could potentially lead to an automatic rush the other way, but he sees it as a valuable play uh, to keep going. And I think he's gotten much, much better at uh, backing up when necessary and and not taking that risk. However, when he does it, he really does commit, and it's 100% in. Uh, his wingers just have to be super aware of that because he can he can pinch on a dime, and they got they have to realize like that's a potential rush the other way. The other thing that I think is quintessentially Latang is is those long cross ice passes. And yes, yeah, sometimes they go for icings, but man, he can find Crosby and his line mates in stride better than any other defenseman you could match him with. I, I feel like Crosby, Malkin, and Latang could play with their eyes closed and know where each other are on the ice. Yes. Like especially during, you know, power plays and and like just instances where they're all offense. And I, I think it's it's one of those skills that in, unless you've like actually gotten out and and tried to lead somebody in full stride with a saucer pass through three bodies and two zones, it seems like on TV, oh, he just made a straight line pass. whoop de do. That's hard. And there's very few players who can do that with the pinpoint accuracy that really he does. Now, in his own zone, there are times where I think he gets a little too aggressive in the corners, or uh, you know he'll throw it up to somebody who should be in, a, or he thinks should be on a board and isn't there, so it turns into an egregious turnover. However, I haven't really seen him get out muscled or um, out outwitted in front of the net in the ways that I saw him uh, get abused in the early part of his career. I think he has wisened up. He's definitely strengthened his core uh, and and really been able to fend off a lot more physical attackers, even as he ages. Uh, he is a beast, like you said. Well, and and one other, you know, thing that makes him super successful and needed on the Penguins is the amount of minutes that he can eat up. You know, when we're going into overtime, you always know he's still going to be 100%. And if we go, if someone gets injured and we're down to five defensemen, we know Chris Letang can take on extra minutes. Well, he just is very conditioned and he, he doesn't, I don't think, unless he's having a bad game where he makes all the mental mistakes, when, when he's called upon to play extra, I feel like he, he does really well and doesn't really tire mentally. So I think all of his goals last year were even strength, all seven of them, right? Which is Weird. Well, well, I mean, because when you think of Chris Letang, you think of our our power play, and I think that's a mistake. And I, I think they talked about it on NHL Network with uh, Mike Rupp, and I think his take was perfect. You don't need him on the power play. You can play him thirty minutes, even strength, and you can trust that he's going to drive well, and, and a forecheck for you. He's not the best power player. Well, he doesn't have a sh- he doesn't have a lethal quick shot, right? And that's part of it. It's it's a kind of an a- inaccurate. I think the the main reason the main reason they keep them all together on the power play is is because of what I said before they all know each other so well, and like you know Sid knows if he passes it 
up to the blue line, like Latang's going to keep it in. Whereas like we've seen that issue when other defensemen have tried to play on that top unit, you know, we, we lose the puck a lot. And I think that's the reason I think they're, they're keeping them together for, for comfort more than anything. He's also probably, I would say top five in the league, uh, in terms of defensemen at carving through the neutral zone and getting a clean yeah, entry. Yeah, I agree with that. We, you know, we've had trouble with that since we've lost Phil Kessel, surprisingly enough. Uh, he, you know, he kind of was the person that took it in for us on power plays. And I think Latang's done a really good job of that. Well, his skating allows him to, to make the defense back off. And he's so clever about knowing what his passing options are. As soon as he hits that blue line, he knows what's my option A, what's my option B, and he can sauce it right to them. Yeah. Um, and he's just very good at that. He weaves through with speed, backs them off, and then you're set up. And and as I you know have said in the past, if you haven't seen Chris Latang skate in person, you have to. It's special. Yeah, he's just. I mean, every we've been to fifty games probably in person. And we, every single time, I, I look at Seth and I'm like, you look at Chris Letang's skate. He's just well, there's something, beautiful. There's, there's something to his stride. And you've seen it in those like all-star clinics or, or skills competitions where he gets up to like the top speed uh, skating backwards. You know, he's just agile. There, there, he's not the, he doesn't have the, the fastest, you know, top speed like a McDavid or a McKinnon. Um, he can break ankles, though. <laughs> yeah, he's just agile. He churns yeah. his legs in a way I haven't seen another player skate. Yeah, and you know, there's just few players like him. You it, know, he's he's figure skate like I I I compare him to that all the time. I you know I am a figure skating fan and I watch figure skating, and he out of any player I've seen in hockey skates. He just reminds me of a figure skater. So he, his skating is so pretty. So you remember how I'm, I'm looking more at advanced stats too, because I've watched this guy play since he came up from the minors. And I was like, who is this kid? He's, you know, he doesn't play defense. Um, and then he won us a bunch of shootouts and he was loved from then on. But over the last three seasons, the most comparable player for on ice results was Brent Burns in his heyday from 15 to 18, took them to a cup. Now, I mean, people were talking about Burns needs an ours, Burns needs an ours. Honestly, if Chris Letang was three inches he- uh, taller and 20 pounds heavier, he would have been in these NARS conversations. And even in one of, in one of his worst stretches of his career, the last three years, um, at least in terms of you know, overall impact, he hasn't been as dominant. He still was playing like a player that they, they were talking about Norris all the time. So to me, he's criminally underrated because of the team that he plays for, the fact that people love Crosby and Malkin. And I think that some of the early perceptions of him being hyper aggressive, um, we can even talk about his attitude too, um, like in the Philly series back in 2012, or, or just, you know, taking penalties and getting upset. Um, early in his career because he's a competitor. Well, and I, I think when, you know, you're watching an NBC broadcast, they're always like, yeah, get under Chris Letang's skin. He's going to he's gonna do something stupid. He, he's not really like that anymore. No, he's been cool as a cucumber for years now. And despite... He's got like that dad energy now. Yeah, despite <laughs> some of the, the downturn <laughs> in um, defensive impact or, I don't know, leveling out, he... He's playing against higher quality competition and he just, he's getting cross-checked to death. 
He's, you know, players are trying to get to the, the, the dirty areas, and he's one of those guys that has just become so much better in terms of denying uh, shots from in tight. And I just, I really appreciate that because he never really was that guy. And I, I think too, like as he ages and, and loses a little bit of his physical ability and, and stuff like that, I think he is smart enough to know he needs to adjust his game. And I think he's done a really great job well, this of doing se- that. This season was really one of the first where he became a great penalty killer. I think him and Dumoulin are teaching each other so much. Uh, and, and they're a great pairing. Well, let, let's talk about that while we're, while we're on the subject. Okay. Do So, obviously, we want to discuss a little bit about the forecast. What's, what's Chris Letang going to look like this year? And part of that consists of should him and Dumoulin stay together? Honestly, it's I, the hardest question, I think, because I'm very torn. I, I lean towards yes, simply because Agreed. they they um, they played together for so many years now. And, uh, and I do think that when they're consistently together, they're perfect. And pairing. healthy. Yeah. Uh, Dumoulin definitely. Dumoulin's been having suffered. issues with his foot and it's shown, but I think he's going to come back ready. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, he's a professional athlete and. Uh, you know, they all train hard, so I, I expect that he'll be better than he was last last season. Uh, definitely wasn't in prime condition, and, you know, when one of your top pair is, is really hurting, that could be the difference in a seven-game series. And I, I think, frankly, there were moments uh, where the defense wasn't perfect, and that was really all, all it took in that tight of a series against the Isles in six. Yeah. So when, that, that and a couple gaffes. When you know. Dumoulin isn't on... And doesn't play a super smart game, it really negatively affects Chris Latine. Yeah, I, I think Dumoulin was our worst defenseman in that series. Yeah, and that that's really hard to say because Dumoulin is so solid and you know, he's one of the main reasons for the Penguins' success over the last but, while. Know, the problem is, you know, when you go into that multiple overtime game and you know Chris Latine's putting out thirty seven minutes. Yeah. Dumoulin wasn't prepped for that. He just he wasn't he well, wasn't we, playing well in a twenty minutes. We span. need to remember in the COVID the twenty nineteen twenty twenty that ended with COVID, he had his broken foot or leg, whatever it was, when when he had his baby and was home. So that was many months, and then he came back and played four games, and then um, like four playoff games after the COVID shutdown. And then um, it's hard to came, he came back into the, the season that, that we just had, and he got injured again. So he's ha- he, he hasn't been super conditioned to play, you know, all these games. And I think that really showed, which is why I'm excited to get them back together this year, hopefully healthy and conditioned and ready to go. I, I mean, I, I see what you're trying to say, which is that Matheson and Marino aren't necessarily a good fit, so why not switch it up? Well, and that, that's another thing that we want to talk about here before the season starts is that is probably the second pairing. And the reason Marino's numbers suffered last year was because his minutes with Matheson brought them down. But the, it's the same thing with Matheson. Matheson played well with everybody except Marino. And it's weird. Yeah, and I think- they might not be a good fit, but they've also acknowledged this and they plan to work together to get better together. So, you know, that's... A conversation for another day, but it kind of is an interesting look. If you know, if Dumoulin and Latang get split, 
you, you could throw, I mean, you could throw Marino up with Latang, and you could throw Dumoulin down with Matheson, and who knows, maybe that, maybe that, that's worth a look here or there. Yeah, I think it would, it would be a look. Like, I don't, I don't think they should just staple them together at training camp and like they always do. I think they should try different things because everyone's getting older and plays a little bit differently. And, and we have like, like Matheson is, is still relatively new to the team. So, you know, I think that would definitely be beneficial. But I think at the end of the day, Dumoulin and Latang end up together. So here's the, here's the thing. Crosby and Latang over the course of last year, just last year, were still good for over three goals per 60 together when they're on the ice together. That's how dynamic those two together are when they're playing with one another. It's, it's just like peanut butter and jelly. It really is something special to watch. It's like coffee and uh, Gretzky. You know, it, it's, it's just beautiful. Um, so, I don't know. I, okay, so let's just do predictions. Um, yeah. You know, does he, does he solidify himself even more than he already has? I mean, in my mind, he's already a Hall of Famer that won't probably get there on the first few ballots, but I think he's certainly earned it uh, over the course of his career. Uh, I, I think he's going to do better than last year, and I think he will put up. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be pretty confident. I'm going to say he's going to put up 58 points, and 13 of them are goals. And I think he does that with reduced power play time. That's my prediction. I, I was thinking in the 60 point Range. ballpark, and I think majority of that's going to be assists. Obviously. Uh, he can't get injured to put up those numbers. He needs to play close to 82 games, I think. But I I would bet on him not taking a massive step back. And if anything, I think he'll do a little bit better, even if it's just is because Brian Dumoulin's a little more consistent. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that's probably where he'll be. I hope that's where he'll be. You know, I, I hope he doesn't take a step back. And I I just think overall... Penguins fans are going to start to appreciate him more um, because I think he's going to play smarter every year yeah. that he plays. You know, I hope so anyway, because it like breaks my heart to see all the, the Chris Letang hate because I, I think that we are where we are as a franchise partly because of Chris Letang. I mean, he's, he's has all the defensive records on our team. He, you know, is going to probably forever be the number one defenseman to play for the Penguins. At least for a long, long time. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, he, he should be appreciated. And I, I really hope that they can come to a contract agreement that is, is good for him, also good for the team. And um, what do you think that we is? can see him for... Um, Year-wise. Let's not worry about the money, because that could go up or down depending on his, his performance, so you know. He, I would sign him to four years. And that is a little longer than I would actually like. But I think if we sign him to less than that, he'll want way more money. And I think if we sign him to more than that, we're going to get into some serious, serious trouble. So, so that will put him at 38, which is scary. But I think it might keep his price down a little bit. So I'm thinking you could even go up to five if you, yeah, if yeah. you bring down the, uh, the AAV. I, yeah, Really think, backload it, you know. So yeah. maybe he's only getting... Because at that point, we're not going to be competitive for a cup. And I hate to break it to people, but there is going to be a short window where we're just going to be doing the farewell tour. That's that's why I think you, you sign him a little bit longer because at that point, you're, yeah, like you said, like we're not winning a cup in five years anyway. So 
let him ride out his career and retire as a Pittsburgh Penguin. It's the right thing to do. And it's hopefully, you know, what we do do. And I know that's what he wants. And yeah, if that, if that causes us to sign him a little longer than we're all comfortable with, so be it. Chris Letang playing an extra year or two and, you know, half injured isn't, isn't going to make or break our season because we're not going to, the window will be well closed. By I mean, then. If, you, if you need to buy him out or, or whatever, you could. But I think at that point, if he's if he's going to stop playing at 38, 39, it's probably going to be an injury situation anyway. Yeah. And you just LTIR well, and, and just ride it with, out. Yeah, with, with Chris Letang's uh, injury past, I, I really do think that that's how his career will end. I think it will end sooner than his contract. And He's only played 82 games once. I'm looking at these totals. Yeah. A big reason he didn't really get nominated in those seasons, as I'm looking at it, is because he got injured for you know, a dozen to 25 games, yeah. you know, and that, that that's, kills you. That's what I was saying. And I think that's why he's never been in the, the Norris conversation is because something always happens to him and it, he's doing great. And then all of a sudden it goes haywire, which I feel like it's like that for so many Pittsburgh Penguins. And I'm sure every franchise thinks, you know, my team's like this, but we just seem to be so injury prone. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him, dominate on the penalty kill like he did this year and really come into his own defensively. I think he could put up, you know, really, you know, top pairing type defensive numbers and metrics. And I expect him to rebound uh, because he, he did. He already has at the end of last season. He already started to look better. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the dynamic he brings. Uh, I, I hope he gets to kind of mentor P.O. Joseph and a couple of the other, well, I guess P.O. Joseph's really all we have at this point. But, but even even for someone like Matheson, I yeah. think uh, playing playing with someone like Chris Letang is, is going to be super beneficial for him. And Marino, too. Yeah. Oh, definitely Marino. Yeah. I think he's going to, you know, be continue to be a big help to those young younger guys um, and and help, you know, not only shape them as players, but as people and as teammates. I just. Yeah. He he's he's turned into an extremely well-rounded uh, leader on the team. Uh, he's he's holds his own defensively, takes really tough minutes, and there's really nobody who has had that kind of offensive impact. Point totals be darned uh, that has stayed at this high a level for this long. I mean, you're going back a decade plus. Burns flamed out after four or five years, and now he's on the downswing. Carlson flamed out after five, six Drew years. Drew Doughty, too. Drew Doughty flamed after. And I think Drew Doughty's getting paid for, like, a lot more years. Oh, yeah. His contract is long. It's really bad. He's not good <laughs> anymore. Yeah. People are trying to get him on Team Canada. That's just... A, yeah. That would be a legacy hire. Um, no, I, I just... I really am impressed what with what he's done, and a lot of it does come down to his work ethic and the way he trains, but... He's just, he's a, he's a winner. He's a type of player that you win with and he's really different. And I, I just, I, I really respect when someone brings that sort of flair to the game and makes the game adapt to him. And uh, he's a special, special sort of defenseman. In case you couldn't tell, we love Chris Lang <laughs> in this house. But that is, that is kind of our, our assessment on Latang and... We, we will see how all that pans out this season. We are... Oh, I expect him to turn the puck over like 20 times in preseason and to get completely roasted for this, but that's it'll fine. It'll be fine. 
Uh, so we are probably switching our podcast nights to the weekend, uh, probably most likely Friday or Saturday, uh, because we got half pack of season tickets for this year. And most of the games that we're going to are going to be like Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we we don't want to delay this. So we're probably just going to switch it to to the weekends. That's easier for us, too, because work for both of us has been picking up and crazy. So uh, expect weekend episodes from here on out. And we will be back next week, probably with John Marino. Maybe not next week, but it's coming. <laughs> we we kind of want to go over his sophomore slump and kind of see you know, what we think may happen this year. And I think a lot of that will do with his pairing, but we'll talk about that later. And then, you, as always, you can follow us at Pair at the Point on Twitter or at the FHN. And then thefhn.net holds all of your podcast articles, news for everything hockey. And as and uh, the season's picking up, so uh, well, their writing is picking up as the season's about to begin, kind of getting all the pieces laid down. So there's been some great articles from uh, different teams. Uh, I always like to see the perspectives from those who are knowledgeable for those fan bases. And also, just a bunch of guys. Just a little plug for them. I, I think that they still are looking for some other teams to do other team podcasts. So if you're listening and not a Penguins fan and you want to check them out, I think that they're always looking for, for new content. And Also, uh, I believe uh, AHL, they're also looking for folks that uh, tend to watch the AHL. Uh, that's something you tend to do. Give them a ring. Just, yeah, just check them out. Uh, even if it's just to check out their articles or their podcasts or all of us are on there too. Chicago's on there and yeah, Detroit new- and Coyotes. and So yeah, it's it's a good place to go for all things NHL. And then, like I said, if you, if you are interested, I think they have, check out their Twitter. They usually post about it on their Twitter. All right. I think that is all for us for this week. Yep. Bye. Bye.